If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of Newt's World, our Shut Your Mouth, the new totalitarians of the left series continues. I got a directive, as did my colleagues, that we should absolutely continue the traditional policy of the university and give the exam as scheduled. I followed the specific direction my boss gave me, and the school knows it. The group of petitioners in Bakersfield, California, who got me fired, are nothing other than alums and parents over the last 10 years who were dissidents and never liked the church's teachings on abortion, gay marriage, and balked at it when I was teaching in the classroom. I was charged by the school for uh, hate crime and intimidation threats. I want to use that moment to appreciate the rights we have in this country. I'm a Chinese immigrant, so I really appreciate what we have in this country. I've gotten a lot of death threats, people telling me that they hope I kill myself and that I hope I die soon, hope I get shot in the head. So a lot of bad reactions from people who don't support me and President Trump. You know, I'm a college teacher by background. I actually taught at West Georgia College for a good while, taught a couple other places briefly. And so I had a fair amount of time and energy spent in the academic world. And back then, the idea of academic freedom was almost a religion. And it was essentially designed to protect the individual professor from being browbeaten or coerced or in any way pressured to say or do something they didn't believe in. And so tenure grew up in part as a way of saying you have a guaranteed job, so you can go out and say what you really want to. And it goes right back really to the 1920s and enormous tension between radicals and critics of society and the desire of the society to fight back. 
But if you had said to me in the 1970s, back when I was teaching, we would get to a point where if you sent out the wrong tweet, you could be fired. If you expressed the wrong opinion on the telephone to somebody else, but you were overheard by somebody, you could be fired. If you showed an absence of sufficient enthusiasm, you could be fired. And what's fascinating is back when I was writing the book on Trump versus China, we spent a good bit of time looking at Maoism and Leninism and the whole degree to which you get the communist system, this coercive sociology, where if you do the wrong thing, it's not enough to say you were wrong. You have to go through an entire public self-humiliation to tell people you feel so bad about being wrong that you hope that they will forgive you and let you do what you want. And what we're frankly now in a movement, which I think is extraordinarily dangerous, because what's happened is the totalitarians on the left, and by totalitarians, I mean people who want total control over you. They want to tell you what to think. They want to tell you what you're allowed to do. They want to tell you what your opinions are allowed to be. They want to tell you what you're allowed to say. And in many cases, they want to tell you who you're allowed to hang out with. And this movement is currently controlling the narrative and the agenda and demanding that if you disagree, you lose your job. My most favorite recent example is an ABC News report about Oakland, which said that the peaceful demonstration intensified as they burned a courthouse, a police precinct, and injured several policemen. Now, notice, they couldn't say that the peaceful demonstration became violent because that would have violated the radical left's definition of tolerable statements. On the other hand, it was so blatantly obvious that they were burning a courthouse and a police precinct and that they were injuring police, which, by the way, tended to not be covered by the national media when it happened in Portland and Seattle. But this was so obvious and so out in the open, they had to say something. So they decided that you now have a brand new term. This is typical of totalitarians. The new term is intensified peaceful protest, which you might think of as violent, but that would be a sign that you need re-education because violent protest is a term which no longer exists in the United States, unless it's done by right-wingers, of course. The founding fathers were very smart and they were very well educated and they were very familiar with the dangers of groupthink and the dangers of totalitarian behavior. And in fact, they knew from their own history about 100 years before we became a country in 1692, there were Salem witchcraft trials, which we now believe were totally false, started by rumor, ended up killing a number of people, and ultimately became, ironically, a remarkable play by Arthur Miller called The Crucible, which was to show you how much things have changed, which was written to decry right-wing pressure against people who might be communists. And he was equating the communists being persecuted with the innocent people being persecuted during the witchcraft trials. Well, now the witchcraft trials occur every day all over the country, and it's all done by left-wing totalitarians. The other great example, of course, is George Orwell. And I always try to remind people that his extraordinary novel, 1984, actually takes place in Great Britain. Because people assume it's about Moscow. It's not about Moscow. And that's not because Orwell wasn't aware of the nature of Moscow, because Orwell fought in the Spanish Civil War and was actually 
a part of the Trotskyite brigade, which was allied with the communists until Stalin decided it was too good a moment to slaughter them. And so the communists wiped out the Trotskyites and lucky for literature, George Orwell survived. But he knew the communists were capable of being unbelievably bad. And in many ways, he would have said, you take the fascists, the Nazis, the communists, and they're all the enemies of freedom. But he wanted to place 1984 in Great Britain because he wanted to make the case that in the end, democracies are as exposed to the concept of totalitarianism as dictatorships, which also fit maybe the most important conservative economic sociological writing of the 20th century, which is Hayek's The Road to Serfdom. And Hayek basically argues in The Road to Serfdom that once you go down the road of centralized planning, you inevitably centralize power, you inevitably end up dictating details, and you inevitably crush people and eliminate their freedom. So if you were to take 1984 and you were to take The Crucible and you were to take The Road to Serfdom, you have a pretty good intellectual framework to understand what's going on. This is only our second episode in this new series, which I'm calling Shut Your Mouth, the new totalitarians of the left, in which I'm going to discuss how is this totalitarian movement affecting us in the media, in academics, in sports, in business, in the federal bureaucracy, in entertainment. And we want to really hear from you. So at some point when we've had several episodes, we'd love to have people who themselves have experienced this kind of totalitarian pressure, tell us the stories. And I hope that you'll send me your experience at gingrich360.com slash shut your mouth. And we're really looking forward to collecting our personal experiences of people who've been going through this nightmare. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. 
I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode will focus on examples of how the left has taken over the academy and demanded the firings of people who disagree with their narrative. Remember, this is the opposite of the academic freedom, which for a century had been the central battle cry of the academic community. This is now not academic freedom. This is academic tyranny. Now, it's been happening in higher education, I think, since the early 1960s, when Marcuse was teaching at Berkeley, and when the anti-Vietnam War movement, and what ironically was called the free speech movement at Berkeley, all grew up. And by the late 1960s, they'd already metastasized. People tend to forget the, the level of anti-American, left-wing, totalitarian behavior that was occurring from 1967 to 72 was probably at least as great as what we're living through right now. It was frightening. We had 2,500 bombings in that period. So I think you have to look at that era. And when you look at it, you realize that there were dances. The students would push for change. The administration would cave. The students would push for more change. The administration would cave again. And a lot of universities, the staff was already fairly left-wing. The students were very left-wing. Today, there's an estimate that something like 18% of social scientists in the academy identify as Marxist, whereas only 5% identify as conservatives. So you have a very, very large block of professors who are deeply committed to a philosophy which wants to essentially replace the United States with a very different model. And what's happening, of course, is young people go to these places and they get a really good grade if they can parrot the left-wing worldview of their professor, and they get a really bad grade 
I mean, if they were to write something like Donald Trump is a good guy, they'd just flunk out of class. So it's fascinating because a lot of these folks come out of a middle class background, which was actually created and made prosperous by Ronald Reagan's economic policies, which were amazingly anti-Marxist. They were based on free enterprise, on small business, on incentives, on encouraging people to work. And they were working very, very well until we had the financial crisis in 2008. And then we had the very, very slow recovery under the Obama-Biden administration. So now you have young people who are drowning in debt, have very limited job futures, have been taught their entire lifetime to be radicals, and now see around them no good reason not to be a radical. And the way they want to be radical now is by essentially attacking and crippling those who don't accept their radicalism. So the pressures, the energy level, the intensity on the left is enormous. So I think it's very important to recognize, and I say this to parents and grandparents all the time, you ought to look at who you're giving money to. If you're giving money to a radically left-wing institution who then teaches your children and grandchildren to hate you, you ought to ask yourself, is that really a smart investment? Or should you maybe think a little differently about your generosity? And what's, I think, beginning to sink in is it's not just, oh, they have their own opinion. They have their opinion, which they are determined will be your opinion. And if you watch the ferocity with which a number of these left-wing student bodies go about silencing speech, punishing those who do not agree with them. And remember, you can't just nod agreement. You have to be enthusiastic. You have to express in a positive way that you agree. I think you see this maybe the most in race relations, although not only. The left automatically attacks any detractor as a racist so they can avoid rational argument. So they don't have to, if you come up with a really good argument, they don't have to answer your argument. They just say, well, you're obviously a racist. And therefore, you're supposed to shut up because if you're a racist, how can you even speak? And it allows them to avoid any kind of debate. Furthermore, since they've now said you're a racist, you get ostracized, you get ridiculed, you find yourself, in a sense, being isolated in your community. And I think it's fascinating that they use this in a way that is designed to basically stop thought and stop debate. I thought it was fascinating that Joe Biden himself has a very dubious background in this area, having co-sponsored with Jesse Helms a bill to block busing, for example, having praised a member of the Ku Klux Klan as one of his closest friends, etc. Biden promptly attacked Trump as a racist, said he's the worst racist ever to be president, which since you had presidents who owned slaves, is really going a long way. But it was typical of where the left is, which is to say, if I don't have a good answer, I just yell racist. And then you're supposed to shut up and be embarrassed because how can you even be on the same platform since you're a racist? So I never have to answer your arguments because you're unworthy of being answered. Now, to show you how this evolves at the universities, at the University of California, Los Angeles, Anderson School of Management, Professor Gordon Klein was doxxed by his own students. Let me just say, doxxed essentially means that you get your personal information posted online so other members of the radical left can harass you and can find you. This is why you sometimes end up, for example, with policemen who have a mob outside or with somebody who's a professor who can't go home at night because there are 500 people surrounding their house. Now, what did Professor Klein do to be punished? 
Well, he responded to an email asking if he would allow students of color to skip the final exam. Klein responded saying, quote, thanks for your suggestion in your email below that I give black students special treatment given the tragedy in Minnesota. Do you know the names of the classmates that are black? How can I identify them since we've been having online classes only? Are there any students that may be a mixed parentage, such as half black, half Asian? What do you suggest I do with respect to that? A full concession or just half? Well, that answer proved automatically that he was racist. And so students condemned him and more than 21,000 people signed a petition to have Klein fired. The university showing the gutlessness, which has been characteristic of university administrations, at least since the early 1960s, the university promptly suspended it for his comments. Well, the very act of asking that is a proof of racism because you can't have a rational conversation. You're supposed to salute, say yes, and do what you're told. At the University of Chicago, Professor Harold Ulig tweeted that Black Lives Matter had torpedoed itself because of its support of defunding the police. He said, quote, time for sensible adults to enter back into the room and have serious, earnest, respectful conversations about it all. The left, faced with a request for a respectful conversation, called for his firing and removal from his position at the Journal of Political Economy. Ulig committed the mortal sin of disagreeing with the radical left where there is never room for discussion or compromise. A few weeks later, an allegation by a former student surfaced that Ulig had shown disrespect for Martin Luther King Jr. while teaching class. Ulig was placed on leave as editor of the school's economic journal. He was only reinstated after the school found there was not a basis for further investigation. Let me emphasize that. He was guilty until investigated, which is the opposite of the American model, which is you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Now, another UCLA professor, Lieutenant Colonel Ajax Paris, has been put under investigation after reading aloud Martin Luther King Jr.'s, quote, letter from a Birmingham jail, which is one of the most famous documents that King wrote. And he showed a documentary on racism. Both Dr. King's famous letter and the documentary included the N-word. Paris tried to play by the left's rules. He even included a trigger warning, a favor of the left wing, before the lecture. But naturally, because even deeply important historical text by renowned civil rights pioneers must be censored, students revolted and called for his firing. The left wants to erase historic context so it can rewrite American history in its own image. And think about this. If you can't read Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham jail, how far are we from them deciding to tear down a statue on the mall? Because in one way or another, he'll turn out to have been inadequate. And the new left will decide that, after all, he was for an integrated America. He was for an America where the character of your children mattered more than their color. He was an optimist about America. His dream was a dream of getting America to be true to itself. And so I can easily imagine within a few years that the hard left will say, well, we can't let him be around because he is, after all, somebody trying to be reasonable, somebody trying to be integrated, somebody who actually reached out to whites. It just tells you how crazy this is going to get.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At the University of Massachusetts Lowell's Nursing School, the dean, Leslie Neil Boyan, was fired after she sent out an email to the campus saying, quote, everyone's life matters. 
Remember, this is a nursing school, a place where students are trained to save people's lives. But the school's rejecting the message that any life matters. This is truly madness. And by the way, she actually said Black Lives Matter in her email. There are students at this school who are going to be asked to save lives of everybody, but that's good, good enough for the hard left. You know, not even K through 12 education is safe from the left's thought police. Timothy Gordon, who taught at a Catholic high school, was fired over a social media post calling Black Lives Matter, quote, a terrorist organization in response to the riots, arsons, and looting that followed the heinous killing of George Floyd. Tiffany Riley, who had been the principal of the K-12 Windsor School, made a statement saying that she thought Black Lives do indeed matter, but felt as though the efforts to get the message across had been coercive. Quote, just because I don't walk around with a BLM sign should not mean I am a racist, Riley said. The left disagreed. The very fact that she would write that as a sign she is a racist, the school board put her on administrative leave. Even students are far from safe. In Fordham University, student Austin Tong posted a picture to commemorate David Dorn, a retired African-American police captain who was fatally shot trying to defend his friend's pawn shop during the riots. He later posted a picture of himself with a legally purchased firearm saying, don't tread on me in response to the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Tong has been forbidden from representing Fordham in any capacity, cannot obtain leadership positions or participate in club sports, is banned from physically entering the campus and must undergo implicit bias training. Supporting black police officers and opposing the Tiananmen Square Massacre is a crime under the radical left's definition of America. Of course, beyond breaking with identity politics, supporting any conservative causes or President Trump will instantly land you in hot water in the world of academia. Incoming college freshman Samantha Pfefferall learned this. She was hoping to attend Marquette University this fall. She registered for classes, paid her tuition, but then posted a video on social media where she supported President Trump. Brian Troyer, the Dean of Undergraduate Admissions at the college, told her that her acceptance is now in limbo. She may not attend Marquette simply because she supports the president. And Marquette, remember, is a Catholic university which used to at one time have a real sense of openness. Pfefferl told the college fix that Troyer had the heart to tell me I wasn't a student. This means that my classification is still in limbo and is currently being decided by the administration. I've been accepted. I paid for my housing. I even have a complete class schedule. If that doesn't make me a student, what does? The college denied the allegations and told the Daily Mail, concerns about this new student that were brought to the university's attention were not based on political affiliation, but on alleged use of discriminatory language. They clearly knew they were in a little bit of trouble. They couldn't even be honest. Does anybody really believe that saying I support Donald Trump is discriminatory language? In Michigan, Wald Lake School District fired high school teacher Justin Cacera simply for supporting the president and his plan to reopen schools in the fall. According to the Detroit News, on July 6, Cacera retweeted President Trump saying that schools should reopen and then tweeted, I'm done with being silent. At real Donald Trump is our president. In reply to one comment on his tweet, he wrote, liberals suck and deleted it an hour later. A few days later, he was given the option to resign or be fired. 
The left remains opposed to theological history, a stunning rebuke of our religious freedoms. University of Illinois professor Kenneth Howe was fired for teaching religion in a purely historical sense. After he explained the Catholic Church's position on same-sex marriage, a student who was not in his class complained to the university that Howe was promoting hate speech. If simply discussing Catholicism as hate speech, the left may be en route to limiting the practice of Catholicism altogether. Don't forget that Beto O'Rourke promoted suspending the tax-exempt status of religious institutions that didn't agree with the radical left on social issues like same-sex marriage. The left is clearly willing to limit religious freedoms that they don't agree with. And by the way, if you watch how some governors have been, for example, in Nevada, allowing casinos to open up, but limiting churches, you really can understand that there is a very anti-religious bias on the secular left and that they have no interest in helping churches and synagogues survive. Colleges are seeking to limit the marketplace of ideas to leftist dogma only. And unless something is done, the next generation of students will grow up and perpetuate this same repression of conservative beliefs. Unfortunately, these are just a few examples of how the radical left is unabashedly controlling the academy and censoring free speech. Instead of accepting a variety of opinions, supposed institutions of higher learning now rally for professors and others to be fired when points of view that differ from the left-wing consensus are allowed to be expressed. There are a range of other examples of people have lost their jobs because of their differing viewpoints, and we'll get to them in a series of briefings. You can read them all at gingrich360.com slash shut your mouth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. 
Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.